your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brutal. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Good morning, biohackers, or good afternoon, good evening, depending on what time you're listening to this. I'm excited for today's episode because I'm sitting down with Daniel Chow to discuss the future of optimizing brain health. Daniel Chow is a neurotech entrepreneur specializing in devices that improve brain performance. He's the co-founder and CEO behind the Halo Sport, which is a revolutionary neurostimulation system built specifically for athletes. It's been designed to make your training or practice more efficient by improving your brain's neural plasticity. By applying a mild electric current, a safe current, to the motor cortex, which is what is responsible for all your movement patterns, Halo's neuropriming technology induces a state of hyperplasticity. What is hyperplasticity? Basically, it means that when you train in a hyperplastic state, the brain's normal fine-tuning processes occur more rapidly and they occur more efficiently. This gets you better results from every practice, every repetition. And you can learn more at haloneuro.com. I actually used the Halo Sport for 20 minutes before today's 90-minute hot yoga training session, and I love it. In this episode, we're going to specifically discuss what is neuroplasticity and why it's the foundation of brain function, how to increase the electrical conductivity of the brain for greater processing speed and communication, what are Daniel's top three strategies for optimal brain health, why he recommends human-powered commutes and how he specifically implements them into his daily routine, other cutting-edge habits for upgrading cognitive performance, and we answer the age-old biohacking question, is it really possible to hack your sleep? What works and what's just clickbait? Um, we also talk about how Daniel used brain hacking to actually achieve his personal record on Hawk Hill, um, which is a popular cycling hill in the San Francisco Bay Area. We talk about the most acceptable addiction the world has ever seen and how it's slowly weakening our brain and much, much more. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Daniel Chow. Hey, everyone. I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks, and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. Daniel, I'm excited to hang out. Welcome to the show. No, thanks for having me, Anthony. This is uh, this is an awesome opportunity for me. <laughs> so, tell us, how did you get into neuroscience? What's your what's your backstory? Oh man, so I'm kind of old, so I'm afraid I'm going to take up too much time here. So, uh, I'll, I'll I'll try to cut to the chase and just get to the meaty part. So, I've uh, been fascinated with the brain since I was a kid. Um, George H. W. Bush. Um, famously deemed the nineties as a decade of the brain. And honestly, I got, I, I got interested in the brain because of that effort. Uh, studied it in college, um, went to medical school at Stanford and, um, also got a master's in neuroscience from Stanford as well. And, uh, you know, like all of the school led to a career, um, in neuroscience. So, um, you know, professionally, I've become an expert in building technologies that use electricity to interact with the brain. Um, so yeah, we can get into that, but you know, my last company, we built like a pacemaker for the brain to treat epilepsy 
in a way that's far more efficacious than the way you can treat epilepsy with drugs. Um, so, you know, what might sound like a crazy concept, and, you know, I'm sympathetic to the country's history and um, the story past that we've had with using electricity and ECT and this kind of thing. These really crude methods of using electricity that have um, like a negative connotation. We've come a long way and there's far more sophisticated, refined ways that we can use electricity to interact with the brain for human benefit. So for someone listening who may not be familiar with some of the pathways that uh, utilize electricity and uh, for communication in, in the body, can you maybe explain why this isn't such a, a, a foreign concept or um, anything to be concerned about? Yeah, you know, so the, like we've long known that um, the brain is an electrical organ. You know, we call it a computer circuit. And one of the reasons why is because of its... Um, it's electrical connectivity. You know, so these days, uh, you, know, you know, we've known this for centuries, but these days um, with imaging techniques using MRI and CT, like we can really understand how the brain is connected as a circuit and we can use it to our advantage, right? Like, you know, knowing the different pieces of functional neuroanatomy, uh, we use that to our advantage by... Um, by using, applying electricity to those areas that we want to boost or inhibit, depending on um, uh, you know, what the desired outcome is. And you're seeing this in a lot of different fields, but let's, let's kind of start with what you're seeing in the athletic performance arena and how stimulating certain parts of the brain can impact athletic performance. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, and I think you're alluding to our first product, which you, I am very interested in hearing your experience with Halo Sport. But yeah, let's let's get into it. So, um, uh, our first product is called Halo Sport, and you know, between yourself and your listeners, I mean, Halo Sport is just a fancy marketing term for a motor cortex specific neurostimulator. Um, the neurostimulation that we're applying could be applied anywhere in the brain. But we're starting with the motor cortex because we found um, with a lot of scientific experimentation and also leveraging the hard work that um, university-based research labs have, have come up with, is that if you stimulate the motor cortex, so the special part of the brain that controls movement in our bodies, and then you pair that with athletic training or really actually more generically any movement-based training that uh, the neurostimulation can accelerate the neurologic gains to this movement-based training. So, you know, this is a word called muscle memory and we all know that the memory is not in our muscles. It's in our, it's in our brain. And it really takes a lifetime for us to acquire and refine. Um, the best athletes are able to do that faster. So what if we have a way of um, democratizing this a little bit? Uh, what if we had a way of augmenting the neurologic gains associated with movement-based training uh, with neurostimulation? Uh, so yeah, so that's what we're doing with Halo Sport. And you know, we have a, we have a really broad perspective of, as to who we call an athlete. So of course, baseball, football, basketball players, they are athletes. But you know, we also think of athletes as musicians as pilots, as surgeons, as heavy machine operators, um, just about anybody who needs to move for their living 
and to train movement to get better at their job. Um, these are our people. Yeah. Um, so my experience so far with, with your first product, the Halo Sport has been really exciting. Um, I used it for the first time, just probably, probably not, um, not in its, its optimal environment, but I was just going for a jog and I wanted to get it on as, as fast as possible. And some of the things that I noticed um, afterwards were increased energy. I felt like my mood was elevated and, um, and I had a presentation to do that afternoon. And it just seemed like there was, have you ever had like where there's a word on the tip of your tongue, but you feel like you just can't quite get it? All the time. <laughs> I was, um, I wasn't having that. It was just, it was just, there was better verbal fluency and, you know, maybe that was placebo. I don't know, but I've since I, now it's a regular part of my training. And if I'm going out, whether I'm going to be doing, um, specific movement based exercises like lunges or, um, or yoga or, um, or even just going for a jog, I throw it on, um, because there is that asymmetric risk. There's really no downside, but I have noticed that I feel like I get more from my training when, when I have that as a part of uh, what I'm doing. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. Um, and you know, we like, uh, I guess, it, what you said may seem like it's unique. Like you, you said it almost was like, well, I don't know if it's just me, but yeah, we we hear that a lot. We hear that a lot from, uh, from our user base. So don't feel alone. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, and one of the things that I was hesitant to mention, but, um, I was, you know, what, uh, an area that I'm working on a lot right now is my golf game because there's uh, a lot of room for improvement. And uh, so I was out playing, playing around with some friends a few weeks ago, and I wore the Halo Sport. Um, and kind of the way that it works, if I'm understanding correctly, is like you wear it for about 20 minutes, and then you've got an hour afterwards of uh, neuroplasticity. Which How would you describe neuroplasticity for someone listening that's uh, unfamiliar? Yeah. yeah, so neuroplasticity just... Like simply is the process by, by which our brain creates new circuits. Um, it's how we learn. Uh, presidents names, math, movement, um, neuroplasticity is like what makes us smart and, and capable. Uh, it's certainly more active when we're young and we see that in our kids. Um, but it never goes to zero. That's really important. No matter how old you go, um, this, uh, this capacity to create new circuits in your brain, um, it's always there. So, you know, what we're doing is, um, I guess in its simplest form, we're just making your brain temporarily kid-like, temporarily more spongy so that you can soak in information and learn it faster. Yeah, I love that. And, and, and I want to talk in a little bit about some of the exciting new research that's just shattering this myth that, uh, that you know, our brain will never be as good as it is the moment we're born. And that it's just this steady decline until we die. Um, so we'll talk about that. But what was really cool with the, the round of golf was um, what I did was I wore it for the first 20 minutes. And then, you know, I took advantage of that hour of neuroplasticity. And um, I know this is not recommended, but I can continued to use it each time that period of neuroplasticity ran up, I would put it on for another 20 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, so I essentially was, was in a state of neuroplasticity for the entire round of golf. And on the front, I shot a 59, which any golfers listening are probably like gross, <laughs> but on the back, I shot a 48, 
which is a pretty statistically significant difference between the front nine and the back nine. Mm. Now, yeah, I was, I was a little bit more warm on the back, um, but I'd never experienced quite, the, quite, quite as sig- substantial of a disparity between the front and the back as I did that round wearing the Halo Sport. Cool. You know, what I, what I would love for you to try, Anthony, is to take Halo Sport to the, uh, to the driving range. Yeah. You know, there you can just get a lot more reps, um, um, you know, in the same amount of time versus, you know, walking to your ball, um, you know, like waiting for the group ahead of you to finish, um, you know, in your, in, in your 49 hits on the back, you know, that probably took a couple of hours, right? But you could have gotten probably double that in the same amount of time if you're on the, if you're on the driving range, even budgeting, budgeting in plenty of rest so that you can have quality swings. So yeah, let's, let's give that a try and see if we can break, let's see if we can break 45. (laughs) Challenge accepted. Yeah. Um, So Daniel, maybe you can elaborate on kind of this this myth that a lot of people still subscribe to that, you know, that our brain is in this slow state of deterioration and what we're now seeing in the research with um, our ability to learn new things as we get older and and actually like generate new gray matter and and increase neuroplasticity. Yeah, well, um, I guess I'm not going to disagree that our, like, you know, starting in our late teens that, um, we are in a state of decline, a neurologic decline, but we have the capacity to fight it every step of the way. Um, and it, it doesn't have to be fighting it in a way that it's not congruent with, um, with natural processes, right? Like if you provide the brain with proper rest and proper fuel, um, and, you know, if you think about neurostimulation, uh, you know, what we're doing is actually not that different from what the brain already does. We're just temporarily augmenting a process. And if you use it pro- properly, you could really kind of build up that, um, um, you know, those uh, like that cognitive reserve that we need um, later in life. Right. Like it's just like bone density and osteoporosis. Uh, bone density starts to decline, um, you know, at, at some point in the middle of our life. Um, but if you start at a higher base, you have more to draw from. Same thing with cognition and learning and circuitry. Like the more you can build that up um, while you can, and it's just more that you can draw from later in life. And, you know, we can, we can all, um, we can all benefit from that. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, there's really some natural no brainer pardon the pun, um, um, ways that we can, we can preserve brain health and, and, and fight this, um, you know, the slowest line of cognitive aging. What, what are some of, we'll start with the most important habits or lifestyle interventions. Um, I got one. I, I got it for you already. It's sleep. Yeah. Everybody's trying to cheat sleep. Yeah, everybody's got a new hack. There's a new form of caffeine. You can drink it in coffee, five hour energy, Red Bull. You know, there's just another vehicle for caffeine every day. And there's, um, you know, different drugs that'll, or like not, not drugs, but chemical additives, like they call them nootropics and these kinds of things to kind of keep you more activated. And this is, you know, 
when you really peel away the layers of the onion, it's um, the core of it is we're trying to cheat sleep. We're trying to get more. Uh, we want to stay awake and be alert um, when really what we need to do is we need to sleep and just take it really, really seriously. So what time do you go to bed and what time do you wake up? Um, so I, I try to get eight hours. Um, so I'm a 1030 to 630 kind of guy. All right. Nice. And, so and I'm, I'm 45, right? So people say it's like, ah, oh, you know, you get older, you need less sleep, but I'm still sleeping like a, like a, like an 18 year old. And yeah. That that's good. Right. Like it's, it's, it's important. And you're also, you're also active, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And- I, 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 I ride bikes. That's my thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I get up, get up early. Um, on the days that I ride, I get up e- e- even earlier than six thirty. I get up at around five, go for a ride. Um, got a shower here at work. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm cranking by eight thirty. So, um, so yeah, that, that's, that's my rhythm. For, for someone listening, that's like, yeah, I've heard the sleep thing time and time again. Um, what are some of the things that we now know or that people like you on the, on the leading edge of brain science um, know happens during sleep that you just can't hack? Yeah. So I think the most important thing is just like, uh, you know, sleep is this time for us to uh, basically prepare for the next day. Um, a lot of neurotransmitters are sort of cleaned up and repackaged into vesicles um, over the night. Um, the cellular machinery is um, able to um, basically get some time off to build up, uh, you know, another round of neurochemicals that we could we can use the next day for um, you know for our, our waking processes. Uh, so, you know, if you don't have that time, um, basically you're just running on fumes the next day. Your brain just doesn't have that neurochemical fuel. Um, it doesn't have ways of communicating with each other and firing action potentials and, and all of these things that we need for proper brain function or peak brain function. Um, and so, yeah, if you don't get sleep, you can try to cheat it, especially if you're younger, by basically just overclocking yourself. And overclocking often relies on, you know, these, um, you know, these chemical additives that just sort of, um, that, that are activating, you know, caffeine's one of them, but there's more than that. So I try not to rely on caffeine too much. I'm a one cup of, one cup of coffee kind of guy and no Red Bull, no five hour energy, no monster. Um, I'm just like really, really simple that way. And I rely on sleep. Awesome. So let's say someone has the sleep handled, they're getting around eight hours. Um, they're paying attention to getting, you know, hour, two hours of that before midnight. What's the next most Mm. important lifestyle intervention you would recommend for optimizing brain health? Exercise. I mean, it doesn't, you think about exercise being good for the body, good, good for your blood vessels, good for your heart, good for your bones, but man, I mean, there's just like week by week, there's studies that show that, um, that exercise physical activity is great for the brain. Um, there are some recent studies that showed that in school kids, if they exercised after a teaching session, that they would remember that teaching session better. So it's, uh, you know, it's like this way of consolidating that memory. 
um, you know, if you wanted to consolidate the learnings from a meeting, um, heck, why don't you get some exercise in after work? Right. Yeah. I mean that you're, or, uh, you know, a great way to do that is just, uh, like I love human powered commutes like walk or bike to work cause it's built into your day. Right. Like I've got a, um, I, I either ride my bike or walk to work every day. And, uh, yeah, it's just like, there's, there's no choice. Um, like I, 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 I love sort of life habits that are, um, you know, that are proactively good for, um, long-term health where you make zero decisions. It's just part of your life. Um, and you know, a human power commute is just, uh, like, it's a great way to start, uh, your day and it's an even better way to end your day. Cause you know, if that exercise helps consolidate your memories, you, you just, um, you just, you just learn more from work. Oh, that's great. I love that term human powered commutes. You mentioned that you're yeah, just a plug for halo neuroscience. We are a <laughs> zero car commute company. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, one-third bike, one-third walk, one-third public transportation. So, um, yeah, doing good for the environment, doing good for our workforce. Nice. Kudos. Tip of the cap. You mentioned for exercise, you're a cyclist. Um, is that Was that a conscious decision to focus more on aerobic training versus strength training and resistance training? um, for you. And then, you know, to elaborate on that, have you, what does the research say about the strength versus aerobic? Um, so yeah, I, like, uh, I, I used, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like strength training, but it's just hard for me to do it. Um, I've, I've just accumulated enough injuries that in my shoulder and my knee that, um, you know, biking is, uh, you know, overall it's pretty low impact. And it's something that I could do at a pretty high level still, you know, I'm 46, um, still can, still can hang with the young guys. And I'm, I'm proud of that. It keeps me motivated. Um, there's nothing like dropping someone that's, uh, 20 years younger on a hill. Uh, so yeah, so that it, it works for me, but, um, you know, I don't know if there's, I think we're splitting hairs, Anthony, between strength versus cardio. I think you just got to do it right. Um, yeah. like the most, like the, the biggest difference is between the zero and the one of not doing it and doing it. Like if you're doing it, um, strength versus cardio versus, um, like kind of skill work, I think just uh, like figure out like what resonates with you as a person and just do it. I like that. Um, did you, I used to watch the tour de France when I first read Lance Armstrong's book, it's not about the bike. Um, it started this journey of really diving into cycling in the tour de France. And there was a stretch for a lot of his victories where we would watch every summer up in the lake house. And, um, did you watch any of tomorrow? Yeah. Are you, are you, are you a fan? Do you watch? The yeah. Tour? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Tour de France starts tomorrow and we've got a couple of cyclists in the race. Oh, nice. Yeah, the top American hopeful, um, this writer named Andrew Talansky, uh, who happens to live, he's a local guy, he lives in Napa and we're in San Francisco. So, um, so yeah, he'll be, he'll be riding for Team Cannondale starting tomorrow. Nice. I need to check that out. I haven't, I haven't watched since Lance raced, but when you were talking about dropping some of the young guys, it made me think back to uh, the look 
with with Jan Ulrich when he was going oh, against yeah. the big German and there was that rivalry and everyone was kind of uncertain what was going to happen as they got into the mountain stages and uh Lance you know Jan was on uh, first Lance rode on Jan's rear tire for a while and then he kind of like went in front and Jan was on his tire and Lance turned around and gave him this look like are you coming with me or not and then just dropped yeah. him and it answered all of the questions that people have been wondering for the months leading up to the mm-hmm. tour. And it was like, I get goosebumps talking about it right now. Man, that's, that's some good stuff. Those were, yeah. And it was like a challenging time in, uh, cycling. Boy, there are some good stories that came out of that era. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Cool. What, um, what, what applications are you seeing for pro athletes? What type of specific results are pro athletes getting, mm-hmm. whether it's their vertical, vertical jump or um, their you know, squat weight or explosive power? Like, what are you guys seeing with the use yeah. of Halo Sport? Yeah, so Anthony, let me ask, answer that a couple of ways. Um, you know, for, we, we love data at neuros, Halo Neuroscience. We love, we love it when we can say, all right, this was your PR before, this is your PR after. Or better yet, um, let's take two groups of athletes. We'll divide half of, the, half of the athletes get neurostimulation, the other half don't. They do the same training. We do before and after testing. We compare the results. So um, with data, the results with neurostimulation and athletic training really show um, some very clear results in strength and explosiveness. And, you know, that's partly because of the byproduct that it is easy to measure strength and explosiveness. Um, you know, with strength, it's like lifting an amount of weight. We can measure that. Um, with explosiveness, it's like jumping. We can measure the height. We can measure the newtons of force produced. Um, so there we could show with numbers that uh, it's like very, very conclusive. We can get a result there. Now with skills, skills harder to measure. Um, you know, in, unless you have an athlete that's patient enough to put orientation markers on all of their major joints and stand in front of an array of cameras with supercomputers, um, it's hard to quantitate like how skillful an athlete is. But, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's numerical byproducts of skill that we can um, we can, we can piggyback on. So for example, we could look at uh, the skill of the baseball swing by measuring the exit speed of the baseball as it leaves the bat. So can we improve exit speed or bat velocity, um, while still maintaining, um, you know, so that they're not swinging wildly, you can just kind of control for that as well. So we can show that in baseball and in golf. So for swinging sports, um, you know, in endurance sports, uh, there's, there's ways that we can look at biomechanical skill or biomechanical efficiency by measuring, um, you know, for a rower, their 2K time. Um, for a runner, their 10K time or whatever their distance is, their 2K time. For a cyclist, we can look at um, the number, the average number of watts they produce over a 20-minute period. Like that is, a, that is a barometer that they track, their 20-minute power. Um, and these are all proxies for how biomechanically efficient they are. Like if they're able to put out the same number of watts, but with less exertion, they just want, right? Yeah. Right. Like if they're 1% more efficient, instead of finishing in 20th, they just won the race. And, um, and so, one yeah. of the things that like we don't look at, um, but I've started paying more attention to now, like, 
I mentioned I'm wearing the, the halo sport for every workout. And one of my favorite things to do is, um, you know, is go out for a jog, almost like a form of moving meditation. And, um, and you mentioned efficiency, like I've found that paying attention to my biomechanical patterns and thinking about how I'm, you know, how I'm picking up my feet, where I'm landing, are my feet landing underneath my body and and, then the, the, the orientation of all of my body parts and finding a pattern that is both efficient and Mm -hmm. uh, has the least amount of unnecessary movement. Um, like you said, you can achieve the same end result while minimizing unnecessary energy expenditure. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a huge opportunity for, for, you know, not leaving stuff on the table with, uh, with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, that's especially, uh, important for like, uh, endurance sports like running or cycling or swimming or, you know, roll them all together and call it try. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, we're seeing some really interesting results. Like, uh, Tim O'Donnell is a professional triathlete and he won the Boulder triathlon. This is just, um, like maybe four weeks ago. Uh, you know, he won it by 20 minutes. So that, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty um, unusual. Yeah, <laughs> it sure level. is. Yeah, it sure is. And I mean, this is a proper Ironman sanctioned race. Um, you know, on the calendar for everybody. And like, let's face it, a lot of, a lot of strong athletes live in Colorado. So it's, uh, it's, it's the home course for a lot of really, really strong racers and he won it by 20 minutes. So, um, yeah, we're really, we're, we're just thrilled for Tim. Um, you know, I'm not taking full credit by any stretch of the imagination. Like it's his result. If we can just be a, a small part of it, then that's awesome. And how, how long was he using the, the halo sport? Uh, I'd probably say three or four months. So relatively new user, but I mean, he's getting results. He's getting results at the highest level. Yeah. There's, there's going to be a lot more people using it after hearing that or seeing that. (laughs) Um, what, what are some of the applications for like skill acquisition? Cause what's really cool about neuroplasticity and how it affects our ability to, you know, not just exercise, but also learn new skills. Um, this is something that applies to like, you know, men and women in the kitchen with like knife skills or, you know, you you guys had, um, I'd read a story about a pianist that had, had used the halo sport. Maybe you could share some of that stuff in those applications as well. Yeah. So, uh, I'd love to, like, there's, um, no, like I, I, one of the greatest proxies for skill acquisition is playing a musical instrument, like playing violin or guitar, or in the case of this musician that you're talking about, uh, piano. So there's a Spanish uh, pianist named Mario Marzo who just ended up with one of our devices. And he's like, you know what, I'm going to do an experiment and I'm going to record it. Um, my, the experiment is, is I'm going to pick two preludes written by Bach that are judged by experts um, that, that are of equal technical difficulty. And I'm going to practice for 20 minutes a day for a week with, on one piece without neurostimulation. And I'll roll over to another piece and practice it 20 minutes a day with neurostimulation. And I'm going to record the whole thing. So the first week goes, um, you know, there's a week worth of practice and he gets better, as you would expect. 
Um, the second week goes, and now he's using Halo Sport. The first day is like, there's something going on here. Like, I shouldn't have made this much progress in this first day. And like by day three or four, he just stops the experiment. He's like, all right, I can already play it by heart. And yes, it's not perfect, but I am so far beyond where I was with a week of practice now in half the time that I'm just stopping the experiment. And he ends um, this YouTube video by saying, this is the future, get used to it. Um, and you know, that is just like that, that one video, I, um, I think over 10% of our sales go to musicians now. Wow. Um, and yeah, yeah. So that like, uh, it, and it's, it, it's coming from all different angles, like, um, just completely randomly a week ago, uh, the string quartet from Austria was in San Francisco and they just showed up to our office unannounced. And they, they like, listen, we just wanted to pay you guys a visit and tell you that we're like, it's not even close. The effects of it, like the, the amount of the training gains that we would have gotten without neurostimulation versus with neurostimulation, it is not even close. We just wanted to come by and they actually played a private concert for us wow. in the office. Yeah. The, the, the violinist um, has a $1.5 million violin. Um, I didn't even want to touch it. I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to be within <laughs> 10 feet of the thing. Um, but, but yeah, it's, uh, it was like, you know, the, the, the question around skill acquisition, I just, I love telling the story about musicianship because of the, like the technical requirements, um, um, that's, uh, you know, that's basically table stakes for their, for their profession. Um, you know, without it, uh, uh, they're, they're nothing. Uh, yeah. Professional. And I would imagine we're, we're really just at the tip of the iceberg with this and, and these types of applications. And there's going to be people listening where they're going to be thinking of like, I wonder if it would, you know, would have applications in what I do, you know, and like just off the top of my head, you think about some of the top chefs with, with knife work or even just, you know, husbands and, and wives or moms and dads at home preparing, you know, preparing meals or, um, people that type for a living, you know, and, and being able to improve those skills and do more in less time or improve efficiency. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. How, how do you use the halo sport? Uh, I use it for cycling. Okay. Um, I, uh, so there's this hill, um, in Marin, just on the other side of the golden gate bridge, it's called Hawk Hill and any serious cyclist in the neighborhood knows their Hawk Hill time just off the top of their head. And if you're, if you get under eight minutes on that hill, um, you're in like the top 1%. Um, so it's like this elite club that I could have, I, I never joined. Um, I, I went through my thirties and I couldn't get it. And I figured by the time I was 40, it was over. Um, but I founded this crazy little company, uh, and we we're making neurostimulators for athletes. So I, I, I gave it a go. Um, I, I did some really deliberate training on, a, uh, on a trainer. So a stationary bike, like my bike hooked up to, a um, uh, this, 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 uh, this thing that provides resistance did really hard intervals for a length of time. And I've done this before and it didn't work. Like I've done this before and I couldn't get sub eight. 
So I kind of redid that training program this time with neurostimulation. I got like 745. Like it, like I, I didn't just barely get under it. Like I got under it with, with 15 seconds to spare. So I'm proud to say I'm in the sub a club. Congratulations. Um, nice. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> how, how do you think, like what pathways do you think are being impacted because you wouldn't think that neuro, I mean, at least I wouldn't think um, that neurostimulation would impact aerobic capacity or right. endurance. So what's so going on here? Aerobic capacity, you're absolutely right. We're not touching that at all. Um, what we are uh, helping with is, um, so going back to the previous uh, conversation, is like your ability to be efficient. Okay. So when I was doing um, really hard intervals, um, and I, I'm, I'm sure you've done intervals and, uh, you know, your, your listenership, you know, tilts like very athletic and they've done intervals, but most people think they're doing intervals because, um, they are stressing, uh, different metabolic stores and accessing different areas of energy. And they're also kind of conditioning their brain to tolerate an amount of pain so that they can push through. These things are all true. But I think there's something else going on with interval training, and that is motor learning. When you start, say, a really hard three-minute interval, the only thing you're thinking about is how do I get to the other side of this interval in the least amount of pain? And the way you do that is by being more efficient in between. So you're playing with different joint angles, and you're, um, you're thinking about symmetry. You're thinking about, like, how do I you know, activate the kinetic chain in such a way so that I can produce an amount of power, but in a more efficient way where I expend less energy. Um, yeah. So there's a neuroscience to interval training that I don't think most people appreciate. Um, so yeah, to do that, and we could use neurostimulation to kind of hasten this process of, of basically reprogramming your biomechanical movements so that you're more efficient, like that's a win, right? That's like, if you can, if you can do that, like think you think of, um, yeah, like a marathoner or someone in the tour de France where they've got a ride for a hundred miles a day, or, um, like someone in the military going through basic training and they've got to walk for, you know, hours and days on end. Like if we can make that person more efficient in this in task of endurance, they come out on the other side, fresher with more energy, um, and able to do more things or, you know, for, for an athlete, you've got more energy to blow at the end. Cause that's really where the race is decided. Yeah. That's been, that's been one of the, the, the key areas of focus for me that's made running less of something I have to do or feel like I should do and something that I actually enjoy, which is just finding greater efficiency in the movement and like, getting into a flow state. Whereas most of my life when I was running, it was, it was, I was muscling my way through it and, uh, mm -hmm. and I hated it. You know, it was something I did for soccer, but like never would have voluntarily done. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, like when you start finding efficiencies and ways to cut down on, on waste, um, and you can tune into a, a little bit of a flow or a moving meditation, it makes it a completely different experience. And then the halo has helped with that. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's great to hear. And you know what, when, when you get better at a sport that keeps you motivated, 
right? Like for me, that's, that's, that's why I do it. Um, it's like, I, you know, I, I don't make money playing a sport, but it's a big part of me all the same. Um, it's important for me as a, as a complete human being. And like, it's, it's something that will just never go away, no matter how old I get. Um, and you know, I think we're known for working with these um, real, very elite athletes, professionals, but you know, we're, you know, where we win as a company um, and I'm not just talking about from a business sense, but from a societal impact perspective is when regular folks use halo sport like amateurs like myself, um, where, you know, we do it to get better and we stick with the sport longer because we feel progress. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. What are, what are some of the things that you think are the, the most dangerous practices or toxins, things people, people are doing, um, for their brain, but if they stopped doing them, mm would 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 really help i i it's like well we've already talked about sleep but that would be number one don't cheat sleep um you know i i think screen time is a problem Mm -hmm. um you know screen like uh like app design and interaction design like pulls from you know parts of neuroscience um and like cognitive science that tap into, um, I mean, it's almost like, uh, it's like, it's the same psychology as pulling the, the lever on the slot machine. Like there's, um, there's a certain, uh, like there's a reward pattern. It's called mm-hmm. random intermittent reward. That is the most, um, potent form of like connecting and hooking someone in, and like all of that has been built into an app now, like, and like it could be a very innocent app, like Facebook, for example, like it is so sticky and it draws us in. Um, and like, I, like there's like, I, I don't know. I think it's the next, it, it, it is an addiction. Like we're, we're seeing it. Um, we can call it what it what, what, you know, what we will, it might be the most acceptable addiction uh, the world has ever seen. Uh, I like that. uh, But, but, and maybe it's because we're all addicted. Like, you know, I've, um, you know, my wife and I are trying to come up with certain rules, um, you know, now with young kid where, you know, there's a box and we just drop our cell phone into a box. And if we're at home, we don't touch it. And that just relieves us of the temptation of like messing around with their phone. Um, I like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I found that if I had 15 seconds with my phone, like if my kid was like reading a book and I had 20 seconds while he was occupied, I'd check a football score or something like that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think that this is a huge problem and that, I mean, I like the language that you use the most acceptable addiction the world has ever seen. Um, I've had uh, a number of, of doctors and scientists recently refer to it as like, you know, EMFs, whether we're talking about cell phones or Wi-Fi mm-hmm. or, or smart meters as like the new cigarettes and, and not just for their addictive 
properties, but like there was a study now that's showing decreased cognitive capacity just by the mere presence of a cell phone. Even if you turn the thing off, like it's stealing some of our focus and our ability to concentrate and allocate mental faculties to the task at hand. Right. Because of the temptation. It's like, oh, well, that thing's right there. I love that thing. Yeah. That thing gives me a little dopamine every time I open it up. Yeah. And I think we've all experienced like you know, accidentally leaving our phone at home or something when we go out and there's almost that like reaching to your pocket when there's nothing there. <laughs> and after yeah. you've done it like three or four times, you're like, Oh my God, I have a problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> and feeling a little disappointed every time you realize that it's not there. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we're at a point right now where we're just scratching the surface um, regarding the, the dangers of, of this technology. And I'm not saying that from like a, a standpoint of everyone should stop using their phone or anything like that. But I, I think we're going to realize in, in a few decades that like there are things happening from low levels of of, of electromagnetic fields and radiation that's coming from these devices that it's affecting our DNA. It's affecting, um, our health, our, our ability to make energy, our immune system, everything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just from a brain's perspective, it's just like, uh, like think of the life that you're not living, um, and the experiences that you're not focused on because, you know, this little guy is always so close to you. Yeah. It's always so tempting um, to steal your attention. Even for a few seconds, it's stealing your attention and it's coming at a cost. There is an opportunity cost. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you mentioned the box and that's something that, that you, you, your, your family uses. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's a, there's a physical box that we'll, we'll plop the phone in and when it's there, it's like, we understand it's family time. And when do you do that? We try to do it when we walk in. Doesn't always work, Anthony, but you know, it's something that we're, we're working, like we're aspiring towards is like you, you walk in through the door and you drop the phone in the box and um, you don't mess with it. And the temp- you're relieved of the, of the temptation. Like it's far enough away and it's hard enough to get to that um, you know, this like super quick access is like, boom, you turn it on. Facebook, got some likes, awesome. Um, that's not there anymore because there's a few extra steps. You got to walk 20 steps. You got to open up a box and that's the only way you're going to get it. So anyways, just like putting some hurdles and some adding some friction to using your phone is an attempt for us to just like be more present with each other. Let's yeah. see if it works. Experiment. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's a, it, it's a worthy experiment. Um, I will, you know, Oh, hey, Anthony, I can't hear you. Back? Yeah, okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, how do you, how do you eat? What is it? Or what do, let's, let's make it simpler. What have you eaten today? Okay, so going back to no choices. Uh, breakfast and lunch, there is zero choice. It's the same. Um, Greek yogurt in the morning. Mm-hmm. cup of coffee, some fresh fruit, usually banana. Um, always a salad for lunch. I, I'm not allowed to choose. For dinner, it's a little bit more of a wild card because I'm usually eating with other people. And, you know, there's just some practicalities around that. Um, so if I'm really good during the day, 
dinner, I can loosen up the reins a little bit. And that's, uh, yeah. Very nice. So you eat relatively light during the day. And, and is that, is that something? And sometimes like, uh, you know, there's a lot of lean meat and vegetables at, at, for, for dinner too. So it's, it's not like it's a heavy dinner. It's just, um, you know, when you're going out social, there's sometimes less control over what you eat. You can't always pick the restaurant. Right. And sometimes it's, you know, you're sharing food and you know, you, you don't want to be that guy. Um, yeah. so yeah, there's some, there, there's some practicalities around, um, you know, eating socially, which is also important, but, um, but yeah, if I'm good for the first two meals and reasonable with my snacking, then, then yeah, can loosen the reins a little bit during dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, are there any unusual supplements, biohacks, practices that you subscribe to and believe are beneficial for performance or brain health that someone mm. looking in from the outside may uh, scratch their head or not understand? Uh, I, I hate to be a little boring here, but I mean, I'm just a fish oil guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I take, uh, I don't know, like 2000 milligrams. Does that sound about right every night? Yeah. And, and yeah, the, the, the data is pretty, I mean, for heart health, for brain health, um, you can, it's just all around good. So yeah, I'm, I'm just official guy. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Daniel, this has been fun for people that like want to want to keep up with what you guys are working on with the Halo Sport. And uh, actually, what do you guys have on the horizon? I know that uh, this this is not the limits yeah. of uh, of what you guys have planned. Maybe you can fill us on what the future looks like. Yeah, so we're known as a sports performance company. We see ourselves as a human performance company. So you can imagine um, us applying neurostimulation to not just the motor cortex, like we're, what we're doing with Halo Sport, but building other form factors to target different brain areas for different, um, for different applications. So maybe I can um, answer your question with another question. Um, like think about your life and all the things that you would want to have in your life, but you don't because it takes too long to learn. Right? Like, you know, what if you wanted to learn Italian or to play guitar, uh, but you don't because you're just afraid that it's going to take you too long to learn. Like, we want to really challenge that, right? Like, what if we could use neurostimulation? Um, let, like, let's say you're using Berlitz or Duolingo to learn Italian and it's going really slow. What if we stimulated the language cortex? And then you used, um, used Berlitz or Duolingo and you're learning much faster. And because you are learning much faster, this sense of progress is motivating you to keep going. And before you know it, you're speaking decent Italian and you're in Rome and you're practicing. Um, I mean, how awesome would that be? Um, so yeah, we're, we, we envision that, uh, our, I mean, we see ourselves as a, uh, human performance really like, more specifically around human learning. We want to shatter this 10,000 hour rule. I don't know who said it, but we want to break it. Like we want to make it like 2000 hours. Like what would you do today? If I could tell you, you could be an expert in 2000 hours instead of 10,000. It's it's really exciting. And it's, it's, it reminds me of the matrix, it, you know, like almost like you're <laughs> downloading skills and, uh, and, and languages and like, 
you could see how maybe a hundred, 200 years in the future, like things yeah. closer to that may be possible. We're not quite a USB stick for the brain, but, um, but uh, yeah, what if we can just make it so that you learn faster? What if we can make it so that you're like a, um, a seven-year-old kid learning, learning Italian? Like, maybe you would start it today. Yeah, maybe you would do it. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Daniel, this has been awesome. Um, where, where can people learn more about the Halo Sport and mm -hmm. uh, some of the cool things you guys are working on? Yeah, so our, our website's uh, really easy. It's just haloneuro.com. And there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of information, like um, getting into the science and the data and um, um, like profiles or uh, a bunch of our users. It's, uh, it's all up there. So, yeah, there's a richness of content there. Um, I'd really encourage your listeners to give it a check out. Great. Thank you. And for people that want to uh, stay abreast with the things that you've got going on, is there a place for them to do that, whether it's social or uh, website? Yeah. So uh, we've got a uh, Twitter handle. It's at Halo Neuro. Instagram at Halo Neuroscience. And yeah, there's uh, and we've got a Facebook page too. That's pretty easy to find just through the search bar. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a great way to stay in touch. And, um, there's also an email that goes out, um, at a frequency that wouldn't annoy anybody <laughs> once a week. But, uh, yeah, if you go to our website and just scroll to the bottom of the homepage, there's a, there's a place you can leave us your email address. Awesome. Awesome. Haloneuro.com, uh, Twitter at Halo Neuro and, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Halo Neuroscience. Daniel, thank you for your time. This has been a lot of fun. I'm uh, thanks, super Anthony. excited about what you guys are working on and, uh, and, and absolutely thrilled with just the ways that I've been able to apply it already. Thank you. Thank, thanks for the opportunity. I've been a fan and it's, uh, it's really a pleasure and honor to be on your show. Thanks, brother. Have a great right. night. Take care. Yeah, you too. All right, guys, so one of the coolest parts of my job is that I get to test a number of gadgets and tech and gear that have been designed to upgrade performance or give you the most health benefits with the least amount of work, figure out what works and uh, what's worth investing in and trying yourself versus what is better left alone. And this piece of technology I use to shave about 10 strokes off my golf game, just between the front nine and the back. I shot like a 58 or a 59 on the front, and then I shot like a 48 on the back, which is a huge difference. And I did it using the Halo Sport. Now, if you're not a golfer, people are now using this to get more height out of their vertical jumps. Pro athletes are benching more. People are learning songs faster. Musicians are using it. Chefs are using it to improve their, their cutlery skills and much, much more. So it really doesn't matter whether you're an Olympian, a coach, a musician, a neuroscientist, or a stay-at-home mom. You're going to love the Halo Sport. And here's how it works. One of the key areas of the brain that controls body movement is called the motor cortex. And it's basically an area that's located across the top of your head from ear to ear. And your motor cortex controls your muscles by sending electrical signals from its neurons to targeted groups of muscle fibers, causing them to contract, right? By combining these muscle contractions, your brain causes your body 
to move, right? Movement is complex. Each time your body moves, there are tens of thousands of neurons sending electrical signals. So whether you're training for a marathon, learning a new piano piece, or working on your vertical, your brain needs to refine how it tells your muscles to make these complex movements that are required. And the brain's unique ability to fine tune itself called plasticity is what allows it to do just that. So plasticity basically means that your brain can strengthen existing connections between neurons and even form new functional pathways. How cool is that? Through this process, you progress from raw unrefined movements of a novice to the powerful precise movements of an expert. Optimizing your motor cortex helps your muscles perform better in a number of different ways. And the Halo Sports is designed to make your training or practice more efficient by improving your brain's natural plasticity. So by applying a myoelectric field to the motor cortex, Halo's neuropriming technology induces a state of hyperplasticity. So when you train in a hyperplastic state, the brain's normal fine-tuning process occurs more rapidly, meaning better results from each practice, every repetition, etc. It takes time for your neurons to respond to the neuropriming field. So 20 minutes is the optimal duration for your nerves to begin firing more easily and synchronize. This primed state will last approximately one hour after which your neurons will return to their everyday non-primed state. The benefits from your training, however, will last indefinitely, or at least as long as any other training gains. So the Halo Sport has been endorsed by organizations like the San Francisco Giants, the U.S. Ski Team, Michael Johnson Performance, and Invictus, all who, like me, swear by its results. I use the Halo Sports for 20 minutes before yoga workouts to improve my balance. I'll use it two or three times on the golf course, even though you are supposed to wait at least eight hours between neuropriming sessions, and I'll even use it between uh, strength training workouts to get more out of my lifts. I highly recommend it to anyone looking to reach their next milestone, whether it is a repeated motor pattern, whether you're trying to improve in an athletic endeavor, hit your PR, or anything in between. So get your Halo Sport today at an insane holiday discount for biohacking secrets listeners only. And to do that, you just head over to haloneuro.com and enter discount code biohacks, that's B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S, at checkout, and that will save you $200 off your order. So that website is H-A-L-O, N-E-U-R-O.com, haloneuro.com, and the discount code that you want to enter to save 200 bucks is biohacks, B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S. 